Alex Ferguson, they put you through the mill into injury time, almost lost the cup, and you win it. The new European champions, the treble, the dream come true for you. Oh, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Football, by the hell. Hello everyone, welcome to the ninth episode of the podcast Football Bloody Hell. This is your host Prashant Tiwari and with us we have a special guest today joining for the first time, Asif. Hi Asif, how are you? Hi, I am good, thanks Thanks for having me on today. So Asif, can you tell a little bit more about yourself to our listeners? Uh, yes, so I'm from based in Manchester and I've been a Manchester United fan for practically most of my life and on a normal working basis I'm a freelance football writer. Oh that's great, that's great. And you have been following United all your life? Yeah. For a long time. And you get to get your go to the Old Trafford as well? Yeah, I go to a couple of games to Old Trafford a season. So about three, four games a season, yeah. So that's great, that's great. Uh and how are you Joe? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. Great to be on again. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So, uh, guys, should we dive straight in? Yep. Sure, go ahead. So, guys, the first topic for today is, is Mourinho finally changing his style and adapting to United's way? So, Asif, I'll come to you first. What do you think about this? I think, uh, looking at the last couple of games, he hasn't really changed United's style of play. He's just like... He just feels that he's just a dead man walking, if I'm honest. He's just trying to let the players do anything they can just to win the game and for his time at Old Trafford to continue. So it's not really that he's changed his way. He's just letting the players to play how they feel and let them go with their instincts. So I think they've not really United have not really changed their style of play. If they had, then... The football would be more possession based and would be creating chances constantly, but we've still like suffered defensively, like how we did away to Bournemouth and how Everton were causing us problems at Old Trafford over a week ago. And but he he did one point where he he was correct in the press conference is that we did play defensively last season. That's the that's did lead to us only ha- having about four to six shots on target per games and where we were struggling in the big games. Fair enough. What about you, Joe? What do you think about this? Yeah, I, I mean, I totally agree with Asif. I, I think it's difficult to say there's been a change of style necessarily. I mean, if you look at it from a uh, from a formation point of view, we're still playing formation. I think what's happening is, is ever since the Newcastle game, we've shaped our way back from 2-0 to win 3-2. We've, we've just sort of managed to find a way of winning games, haven't we, or getting points. So, like the Chelsea game, we played very well in the second half and we should have had a win there, but we, we got a point and it was a good point. But we weren't 100% convincing against Everton, but we found a way to win and we certainly weren't convincing against Bournemouth at the weekend, but again, we, we just found a way to win that game. I think the only thing you can say that has maybe changed over the last few games is, is obviously he's changed the personnel a little, a little bit. So, 
you know, he's, he's now taken that leap of faith to maybe drop Lukaku, which you could argue that was deserved because he's just not been putting in the performances recently. Um, and also he's made a couple of changes in midfield that you could say have maybe brought a little bit of energy, but the performance-wise has maybe not worked. But what I'm saying is at least he's taken that leap of faith to drop players that you probably wouldn't expect him to drop, like, I always thought there was two people, two players in this team that he wouldn't drop, and one of them is Matic, and the other one's probably Lukaku, because I feel like they are Mourinho on the pitch. Um, but obviously we've seen, whether it's due to fitness or not, Lukaku has been dropped, and we'll speak about Lukaku later on, but uh, at least, you know, he's been brave enough now to start making changes. Well, that's true, but... I don't know what I, I think is like, okay, in the first half of the games, we have been really poor, but in the second half of the games, has his tactics changed in the second half or has he told something the, to the players or something? like Because the players, the style changes for me in the second half and in the first half, it's quite drastic, right? So, I think he has had some impact on them, whether mentally or tactically or whatever. Well, I mean, as if you might have an opinion on this, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to sort of understand why this is happening. He seems clueless whenever he's asked about it and at least he's admitted the problem there, which is not bad for me. You know, he normally sort of pounds it off and suggests that it's just there's nothing wrong with seeing something completely different to it that he is. The only thing I can come up with, wondering if there's something that they're doing in the warm-up that's, that's probably not preparing them for the game, probably working too hard in the warm-up. I mean, I go to regular games at Old Trafford, I watch the warm-up albeit from the other end, and it doesn't look too strenuous. So, are they not doing enough or are they doing too much? I, I don't know. What do you reckon, Um, It's really hard to say, but looking at the last couple of months, it's like Mourinho constantly states in his um, uh, press conference after the game that United's defence is very poor. It's like he's hinting out to the board that we could have really done with a centre-back that could lead the line and show quality on and off the ball, something that we're really missing. But with the recent rise of Victor Lindelof, we are starting to um, play out from the back and move forward as a, as a whole, something that we've not seen last season where our centre-back partnership would fail to bring the ball out from defence and um, t- lead the team forward instead of hoping that Matic or Pogba would come sit, come sit deep and then start the attack from there. But like, it's, so, as you're going to Mourinho, I can't really see him changing his ways. Otherwise, he'd help the team to become more possession-based and we'd be drilling our attacks better in training. And like the last couple of matches, it's been the same as last season where we've had problems defensively and being caught, caught on the counter-attack. And then sometimes our attackers, they just like, they lack that combination or the chemistry that they should have like, uh, they should have been connecting since the time Mourinho has been at the club. It's like some games where the players seem like lost and clueless, and they're not really sure what to do next. Like they're, they're missing a leader in midfield and in defense. Yeah, I agree with you there. We are missing a leader in the defense, and even some games like the Bournemouth goal we conceded, the defense was too slow to come out, and then they got the ball inside and tap in for Wilson. What I think is, Marino, I, I really liked the Bournemouth conference, press conference because he was honest after a long, long time that we were not good enough and we had to be, we have to be good enough and all those things. We hardly hear him say, say those things. 
Yeah, well, I'm wondering if I'm wondering if there's been a bit of a breakthrough with the whole defender situation because obviously we had the news break the other day, didn't we? That um, you know that they're sitting down now and making plans about the January business and maybe even potential business in the summer. So I wonder if he's he's been more open about the situation now because he's confident that something will be done about it in January and in the summer, but. Obviously, you, you then hear conflicting stories that say, actually, they're still not happy with the players that he wants, so they may veto it again in January and in the summer. So, I'm not quite sure. You know, we've talked about it before, Prashant. I mean, the fact that when he plays yeah. through the back, that he'll, he'll, he'll go for someone like McTominay and have Bailly on the bench. I mean, if that's not telling the board, that, look, my defenders aren't good enough. I need new defenders then I don't know what is. And like I said to you before, it frustrates me that he uses games and massive three points to get his message across, you know, his own personal agenda, because he's playing with our fortunes and with our point league tally, if you know what I mean. So I, <laughs> I, I get you. I can see where he's coming from. Okay. So, guys, moving on to the next topic. Uh, this is a positive one for all of us. The impact Ander Herrera had uh, coming from the bench, wasn't it great on the weekend? Okay, so, you know, for me, um, yeah, it was, it was great to see Herrera come on uh, against Bournemouth and have such an impact on the team. And I think we all know Herrera is capable of that. I think um, in his first couple of seasons, Herrera was a, a really great player for United. He, he just seems to have had a mixture of bad injuries and... Um, dips in form and, and I don't know, just times when he's, he's just not being sure of his place in the team. Um, I would argue that he probably came on for the wrong person. Fred didn't have the greatest game, but I don't think he was the worst midfielder on the pitch on uh, on uh, Saturday. So, um, for me, I've you know, I was happy to see him come on and make an impact, but I would like to see Herrera maybe replacing Matic rather than Fred in the long term, especially at the games at Old Trafford. I don't think we need to be playing Matic all the time as a DM. Um, but for the Derby this weekend, Matic is, well, he's always a shoe in to play anyway. And if there is, I think it'll be the, the Derby. So I don't have a problem with him being there. Maybe Herrera will start now. Uh, he had quite a good record in the big games, but yeah, it was nice to see him come on and, and change the game and help us get the result. What do you think, Asif, about this whole Herrera Matic situation? Um, Herrera has been impressive when he comes off from the bench, but um, like his main issue has been his consistency from time to time, which is why he's been put a place onto the bench since the, since the start of last season. But Matic um, is one of Mourinho's favourite boys, as he'd call him, as he'd call the Serbian, but he has been really poor over the last couple of months. But I just don't see Matic being benched anytime soon. But Herrera, I'd say Herrera might be ideal for games at home, like Joe was saying, because um, mainly because he's tactically is clever and he really knows how to make the most out of possession, whilst Matic really likes to uh, wait for the pressure to come to him first before deciding what to do with the ball. And then uh, even though Matic is uh, quite tall and he's meant to be physical, he tends to get bullied by 
a lot of players that are playing in number 10 position for, from the opposition team. So it's, we're trying to start, like, question, like, what does he offer in that uh, in that defensive midfield role? Because he's not really coming in with the much-needed interceptions and tackles that we need from a player that sits just uh, in front of the defence. Yes, I agree with both of you guys here because, like, we have seen how good Matic can be la- last season when he was, especially at the start of last season when he was at his sensational best and then he was running the midfield with Pogba in that midfield too. But now, ever since his World Cup and the operation which he had, he has looked jaded, isn't he? Like, I don't know, something is not, comp- he's not, doesn't look fully fit to me. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what you think, uh, Prashant, but he seems to be a player that's come from being a, ne- a necessity to a liability, if you know what I mean. I mean, last year when we signed him, a lot of people mocked us because obviously he's not a, 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 like a, a Galactico name or anything like that. And people said he was too slow and people said 40 million's too much. And then Chelsea went and used that money and bought back Ayoko and we all know how that works now. <laughs> yes. United did all right in the end and it was just another case of Chelsea making United stronger. But... I felt at the time I didn't have a problem with the signing. I thought he was just a type of player that we needed that maybe would help free Pogba up. But I almost feel now like he's becoming, because he has to play, because that's the way Mourinho thinks, it's almost he's become a bit of a liability, I think. And I totally agree with what Asif was saying. He doesn't give us what we need from him. He plays, if you know what I mean. He doesn't give us that proper DM sort of run controlling the game, you know, Brick shutting down opponents' attacks. And although I think he should play in that City game um, at the weekend, I, d- I do worry that with all that pace of movement around him, the game could quite easily just pass him by. And it's, it's, it's a bit of a worry, really. But he is the type of player that we will need to take to the Etihad with us. I don't know if you guys agree. Well, I completely agree with you on that point. Like, he'll definitely start on Saturday for me. Uh, because we need Marino will need a character on the midfield, even though he's not on not in form exactly. But I think he'll start. But on the other hand, I completely agree with Asif on that point where he's not a natural ball playing midfielder who can you know play the ball, get control of the ball, and then play uh, play a forward pass instantaneously like Herrera does. Matrich yeah. tends to like control the ball. Move, move around, look, look up, and then play the pass. And by that time, the defenses are sorted. What I feel is, uh, as you guys, both of you said, in home games against the likes of Everton or Crystal Palace or whatever we are going to face next, uh, we can, we should see a midfield of uh, Herrera, Pogba, and uh, Fred. What do you think? What do you guys think about that? That midfield three against small opposition. Yeah, I think that'd be the ideal way to go forward around it. I mean, midfield three is always the best way to get the best out of Fred and Pogba. And as long as he's deep and he's got the legs and energy to move left and right of the pitch, it's really helpful because Matic really likes to use his weight around, but he doesn't tackle when necessary. And he does tend to get the yellow booking earlier than expected during the match. Like Herrera knows when to give away a foul and when not to... Like he has shown in uh, a couple of big matches in the Europa League and in the FA Cup and in the Carabao Cup of when to give a yellow card, when to um, concede a yellow card, and uh, because he'll know 
the the opposition on the counter and they are very close to scoring a goal. Whereas Matic, he does tend to um, just shove his way around and tries to be aggressive when not needed. Yeah, I mean, I, again, I completely agree. I just think we're a team that lacks creativity at times. I mean, as you touched on it earlier, we don't create enough chances. You know, I mean, sometimes we can have games where we have three or four shots on target. So how do you solve a problem like that? You put more creative players in the midfield. And, and for games, like you say, Crystal Palace coming up, Old Trafford, you know, United should be having at least 20 shots on goal. Well, 20 shots and at least half of them on target. You know what I mean? And, and therefore, if you want to achieve that, then you have to put more forward-thinking players in your midfield and that might mean taking Matic out and putting in Herrera or putting in Fred and, you know, but they're all... We, we did that, Joe, against Everton when Mata was very good in that number 10 role just behind the striker. Yeah, yeah. And I just think um, it won't happen. I don't think it'll happen because, like I say, you've said before, he's Mourinho's boy and, you know, like I've said, he's Mourinho on the pitch and if anybody can... You know, deliver the Mourinho away to a T. It's problematic, and that's why he plays. And it's frustrating, really. And if you'd have asked me a couple of weeks ago, I'd have said there's no way Matic can ever come out of this team. Maybe now we've seen Lukaku drop. Like I said, that might be a sign that he may be willing to sort of even his favourite players might not be safe. I don't think he might be willing to drop them, but I don't see it myself. To be fair. Okay. Uh, so, guys, moving on to the next point, which is, a, I guess, a very important point for United, as we are lacking goals, we have only scored 18 goals this season, uh, is the front three, the attack. Uh, so, what do you think about the front three right now? Are we better off Lukaku at this moment of time? Asif? Um, I think it, it comes down to the opposition that we face. Like, I don't really see Lukaku as a should be as a regular starter, as a centre-forward centre for Man United. But it just it does really come down to depending on the opposition. Like in away games, depending on how aggressive and how aerial, aerially dominant the opposition defence is, maybe we could get away with Sanchez as a false striker or as a, as a centre-forward, someone who'll link up with, who will come deep to link up with Pogba well whilst also getting along with Martial on the left wing or Mata or Rashford from the right. So, it would really help. But against Bournemouth, we did quite tend to miss the aerial presence of Lukaku and his hold-up play. But he needs to start offering more than that and just being more dominant in the final third and just finishing off those chances that really helps the side to get the lead. Which, which we could put the blame on him for a lot of the games early in the season where we failed to take the lead early on in a game, but we ended up going to lose the match. For instance, Brighton away, Tottenham at home, yeah, two big games where we could have where where a win or even a draw could have helped us to be around the top four spots right now. Very much true. I uh, agree. Uh, there, uh, but Joe, what do you think about this whole Lukaku situation? Do you think we are better off without him? At least at this point of time, when he's not fighting. Yeah, I mean, Lukaku's issue is, I suppose, is he's missed the last two games, which have been Everton and, and Bournemouth, and United have picked up two wins in those games. And to be fair, Rashford played pretty well in uh, in the Everton game in that position. I thought, you know, in the Lukaku, which I don't think Rashford is necessarily nine at the moment, but he actually did okay in that game, uh, in that position. And then Sanchez had. 
one of his better games being that he, well, he wasn't he didn't do much but he was industrious and he played a key role in the first goal if you remember the equaliser yeah uh, and he played well in that so that's the kind of got out the team the team has not suffered you know they picked up a couple of wins players who have replaced him in that position have had okay games and um, that's the problem he's got I mean the United have got a real problem with Lukaku because he's ninety. He's a £90 million pound striker and you know for that reason he has to play every game you would imagine but I agree with that based, not based on his performances and, and, and he's not a player for the big games he's shown that now over a, a, a you know a long period of time and you know what do United do now you know because you could argue they probably need another striker but you know, after just spending ninety million on a young potential striker, I don't really know how they get around this situation. But I've said before, I don't think Lukaku can lead United to another title. To be honest. But then, uh, Joe, people can argue that he scored twenty-seven goals last season, even with limited service. Like as Asif pointed out earlier, we don't create enough chances, and those twenty-seven goals were his highest ever goal-scoring tally in a season. So, with time. He can improve, right? Maybe he's going through a rough patch right now. Yeah, and, and I mean, I'm, I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt at the may, at the at the moment. Potentially, he might be carrying this. In. I mean, obviously, we're being told now that he's injured. I'm sure that's right. You know, if he's injured, that might be something that he's carried for a while. That might have been affecting his form. He does look a lot more laboured this season. I know we're coming in off the back of a World Cup where Belgium went deep, and also. You know, he's he had a long, hard summer. A little bit, he looks a, a bit laboured. If, if, if I can say, he looks a little bit overweight. Um, you know, he, he, he needs to obviously make some changes. I'm not quite sure what's happening. So, we're giving the benefit out. He was good last season. He, you know, he did score. You know, 27 goals is what you can is all you can ask for from your striker, really. But uh, he's got to produce that season in, season out, season in, season out. And obviously. But Asif, you, I agree there. But Asif, as you said, uh, we might we might miss him in some games. Like uh, we need his presence there because I saw the guys of Young, the likes of Young and Shaw going uh, overlapping, but they didn't have any options to cross because there was no presence in the box. Uh, it's hard to say because um, not we don't have a natural winger that can provide the crosses and by the time. The fullbacks come in to cross the balls. We don't really like like Lukaku. He's already been bullied by a number of centre backs in the Premier League. So there's not. We shouldn't really like start relying on sending crosses into him. Like if it's from set pieces or corners, then it's fine. We've already got like the likes of Pogba or Smalling or Fellaini to target. Out, so it should be all right. But like, if even if Lukaku is away from the lineup, we we wouldn't miss him that much as long as the. Uh, Midfield and the front three are just able to click instantly during the match. So it's like Lukaku is one of the players that we can like. He's not. We don't need to like depend on for the club to be successful in the future. Like if you were to look at the main players right now that we could build on, that could lead the team to uh, winning the league or being title cont- uh, being contenders for the Champions League. It's like we could focus on. Uh, De Gea from go from go in net and then defense we could just like quickly look at by Lindelof Shaw then midfield yeah Fred's got the potential to be good Pogba and then attack we've got 
uh, Martial and if Sanchez can stay uh, fit and in full uh, form, then we've got him as a centre forward as a right winger. So like we can we don't we shouldn't um, like think that we need Lukaku to be successful and for in order for us to win games and dominate matches. Like he has put on a lot of muscle and unnecessary weight since joining Man United from Everton. So. He needs to um, lose a bit of muscle, otherwise he's just gonna become like Memphis Depay, where we just ended up offloading him in a year's time or so. But the only question would be like, who'd be willing to pay them like a similar figure to what we brought him for, for from Everton? So that's the main question. Man United have had this problem, haven't they? They overpaid for players, well, not matter of opinion whether you think they overpaid, but they pay massive fees for players who are. You know, I suppose yet to prove themselves, and they—that's the problem they have. Because then, when they want to sell, they're going to always struggle to get that sort of money back. I'm not saying they're going to look—you know—they'll be silly to look to sell Lukaku in the next year or two, because obviously he is 24, 24, 25. He's still quite young, and you know, like I'm with you, Prashant. I, I think he can come good, but uh, just at this moment in time. Um, I don't think him as a centre forward can score as the goals that we need to win a league. But like I also agree with the team. I think that we have other players that we can depend on. It shouldn't all be about Lukaku. So you know, it's, I agree with that as well. I think if I'm gonna quickly make a point about our attackers, is that not all of them are like able to play with both feet. I think the only individual I'd say is probably oh, only two individuals that I'd say is Jesse Lingard and Alexis Sanchez. Matter he's too reliant on his left foot, even though he's got a decent right foot. But like, in order to like expand our style and find another dimension, is that is that um, Matter's just too focused on his left foot. Even Lukaku, he's just too reliant on his left foot. He's had good chances with his right foot, like that empty nets at home to Tottenham where he he couldn't bury his chance. And even away to Brighton, he had one or two chances with his right foot where he didn't uh, simply do good enough. And then we've got. Rashford, um, he 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 can pull off good tricks with both feet, but in order to um take chances and shoot with both feet, um, I would, he's not really that great. He's mainly with his right foot, like he's he's like really powered well with his right foot, but left foot he doesn't really have a good foot on him to shoot with. And then Martial, um, dribbling like uh, dribbling wise, he's amazing with his both feet, but um. Yet to see him do well with scoring with his left foot, if I'm honest. Where there were chances last season away to Leicester, away to Newcastle, where he should have done well with his left foot, but he didn't really do well. So that's why it just really show our attack. Like if I was to compare with another team, so for instance, like Liverpool, their front three for Mourinho, Mane, and Salah, I could instantly say that they're both confident with Buffy and both can. Uh, all three can uh, confidently and easily finish with both feet, which really does show why our attack is limited and why it's like very predictable of what they're going to do next and what is going to happen next. I, I think that's a very, very, very good point, Asif, there that because of their limit, limitation with their preferred foot, the defenders know beforehand what they're going to do and whether they're going to shoot or pass or whatever. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree with that totally. It so frustrates me that professionals of the ability that Manchester United have that they can't kick with both feet or, you know, be at least a certain level of ability with both feet. I just think it's unacceptable, to be honest. And guys, 
talking about finishing okay we all love marcus rashford but what has happened to his finishing what has happened to that guy who has the, who put the ball into the top corner against west ham and under the body of joe hart in the manchester derby he just can't finish i don't this season i don't know what is what what is wrong with him at this moment of time i think like, he's just going through a, a bad patch but he needs to understand that he's not at the level of usman dembele or kylian mbappe as of yet because everyone continues to put all the, these type of players and then Martial and Sani in the same bracket. You need to understand that like Marcus Rashford is has a lot of potential, but at the moment, I think he's just a bit over his head at the moment, if I'm honest, where sometimes he just tries to do some skills or some fancy flicks or just start shooting from long range. He needs to understand that we we like we only have a one nil lead or we've not even scored yet so we, he needs to s- keep his head in the game he needs to always like look uh, room for improvement like i, I like uh, rashford a lot a player that's a local lad who's like gone up through the ranks at manchester united but he still needs to understand that he needs to improve as a player he's not made it yet as uh, as how you think he has uh, he of course he's earned cups for england and he's also scored for them and he's shown uh, like like what he's capable of but he needs to show some consistency and he needs to like do what Martial has been doing for us the last couple of weeks of taking his chances of uh, taking the game just uh, by his feet and just like being the game changer of how Anthony Martial just gets the fans of Old Trafford off their feet just like that in a matter of seconds so Marcus Ashford he's still got time he's still a quite a young lad so He's got a room for uh, improvement and just needs to just stick to his own game and not like trying to focus on trying to be like Kylian Mbappe or Osman Dembele or like a Leroy Sané type. He just needs to like stick to his own self and then he'll gradually he will become a consistent goal scorer and then we can just take it from there. Well, I agree with you Asif, I completely agree. Joe, what do you think about this whole Rashford finishing situation? Yeah. I mean, the things I like stand on with Rashford is there's two things that he really needs to improve are is his finishing and his, um, his decision making. So I like stand on that. Basically, I think sometimes with his finishing, um, there was one definitely in the England Croatia game that I watched, and um, there's been a couple of times. I think he makes it too obvious where he's going with his finishing. Um, sometimes his body shape and the way he looks. I think goalkeepers can read him pretty easily and defenders, but obviously when he's one-on-one, it's more the goalkeeper can read his intentions. So I think he needs to do some work on how he approaches his finishing. And the second thing is, as we touched on it, is he, he, you know, he was talking about how we compare him to Mbappe. And, you know, Mbappe's got so many great skills and he, he's so talented and he's a player that I love to watch. But the one thing that I love the most about Mbappe from the games that I've seen, and, and don't get me wrong, I've not, I don't watch him every week, but one of the things that always strikes me about Mbappe is that his decision-making is, seems to be spot on. So, like, he's got this electric pace like Rashford has and this great dribbling technique. But then when he gets into certain situations, like in the final third, and he has a choice of whether to take a man on or make a cross or, or take a shot, he always just seems to make the right decisions, and obviously he he will make he will have made wrong decisions, and I'm sure he's made plenty. He's, he's still a young guy, but that's one of the things, especially at his age, that really impresses me about Mbappe. When I watched him for France in the World Cup, he just he's not just getting the ball and running and with his head down and, and not you know he, he 
can tell he's really thinking about the next thing. And I think that's one thing that Rashford can really improve on. Because sometimes I feel Rashford picks up the ball. You know, his intentions are good. He picks up the ball, his pace, he tries to beat a man. But then I've never convinced that he really knows what he wants to do next. He's never got this clear plan in his mind that whether he wants to take a shot or whether he wants to cross or, or make a pass. So I think they're the key things that he needs to work on. He's finishing and his decision-making, and I think that's what separates him at the moment from the likes of Mbappe. Separate Mbappe from Rashford, if you know what I mean. I think you summed it up very, very nicely, Joe, that that decision-making in the final third, the difference between them, that's quite obvious there. Yeah. And then moving on, as this is a special episode, guys, for the Manchester Derby, so what do you think of City this season? What do you think uh, of their whole performance uh, in the 2018-19 campaign. Asif, I'll come to you first. Okay, so, I've, if I'm honest, I've not watched a lot of Manchester City so far this season as it's already been tough watching United in, the, in over the last couple of months. But when I have seen them play against the big teams such as Arsenal, Tottenham and Liverpool, they have shown, they, they have shown uh, defensively they are really great where the likes of Laporte and Stones have shown uh, complete defensive performances where they are able to um, keep keep tabs with the best attackers in the league and uh, and in Europe uh, whilst also leading the, the team forward in possession. That's one thing they've really done great. And the options that City simply have is unbelievable. They have like, some games where they have on the bench, Gabriel Jesus, Leroy Sani and Mahrez. I mean... Any team in the Premier League would love to have those options on the bench. Really shows that their squad depth is something else, and they can, yeah, they can even have the possibility of challenging for all the competitions that take part in this season. And then it's like they were they spent the f- first two f- three months of the season without Kevin De Bruyne, and now he's back into uh, full fitness and full condition, and they're just gonna just uh, take the league apart by the looks of it. Yeah, with Kevin De Bruyne once he he's in full fine form, so I think they'll just take it from there, and then just who knows who can stop them, especially what we saw of them from last season, where they where they were just they're breaking records left, right, and centre. So it's just scary to see what City are capable are capable of, but of from now till the remaining time of the season. I think they've been useless, Prashant. I think they're rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I I wish they were. <laughs> no, no, it, 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 it's scary, you know. It really is scary. I, I saw something the other day where, you know, actually the way they're going at the moment, they're on course to to do better than they did last season, which which just seemed ridiculous, really. You know, they I think their shots per game are up. I think they're expe- you know this expected goals thing that people can calculate. I think that's up on what it was last year. You know, if they carry on on this sort of run and they pick up the points against teams like they did last year, they could even end up with more than 100 points this year. I, it's, it's just really scary, isn't it? I think, and, you know, I worry for the derby a little bit at the weekend because, you know, they've got so much pace and we just seem to have a distinct lack of pace. And But I was worried last year and, you know, you look at how that game worked out last year, we were 2-0 down. We should have been 5-0 down at the, at the half-time at least. And obviously we hung in the game somehow and then I think they thought they had it won and wrapped up and they didn't come out with the same intensity and we picked up it on it in the second half. But I think that's the same situation again. 
the title's not in sight this time. You know, there's still plenty of points to play for. If they're 2-0 up at half-time, they'll be ruthless this time. And it could get messy for United. But, you know, we're, we're also going into it on the back of probably the best form we could have gone into it. We picked up our wins and we are playing as good as we have all season. So, I'm optimistic we can make it respectable. But I think even the most diehard United fan is going to struggle to see us getting a win at the weekend. But we could get a draw. What a fantastic result that'll be. It's painful to say it, but it would be. Exactly. And, oh, well, uh, to be honest, yes, I am a little bit scared for for United this weekend. But the difference between United and City this season, uh, has it been in the big games? I don't think so. But in the smaller games, like uh, on Sunday when they completely dismantled Southampton, I can never see United dismantle a team 5-1, 6-1, something like that. Uh, they are yeah. so so ruthless. Three one, four one, five one. They just go after it, goal after goal after goal. It's just wow. Sometimes I, I saw the stat on Twitter the other day, yesterday, I think, and it said since the last time Manchester United scored five in a game, City have done it twenty-eight times. That that that's what I'm talking about. See? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, and that, and we would love to see that at United, wouldn't we? Course we would. You know what I mean? And uh, but, I, you know, we have to be realistic. And we have a manager that I think when he gets 2-0 up, he stops, doesn't he? He's just got two managers with different philosophies. But, um, yeah, I mean, what do you reckon, Asif? I mean, are you positive about getting something at the weekend? Or? If I'm honest, I'll take a draw right now. Yeah, yeah. Top everyone has off, I'll just take a draw right now all day long. Yeah. I mean, but one thing we've got to talk about is our... Our good record at Etihad the last couple of seasons. I mean, in the Manchester derby, we have uh, like let down ourselves and the fans. Yeah, in the home games where we lost to Guardiola's Man City on two occasions at Old Trafford, but our record at Etihad still stands good. But it will come down to like the players knowing how big the fixture is and just like having that influence individually and not like looking to like left and right to oh I need his help or oh, I need uh, that player's help like just able to like show that extra work rate on and off the ball could just like just turn the game around just like that so it's really hard to at the end of the day the question is which Manchester United side turn up at Etihad simple as that's the, that's the deal isn't it like if the if the United side of the second half of Chelsea turns up at Etihad I think we can even nick a win but if the United side of which played the first half against Bournemouth, if that turns up, we will be battered like 3 0, 4 0. I don't know what. <laughs> Can I tell you, what, what's depressing for me as well, guys, is, and I don't mean to end this on a damp note, but, you know, the other thing about this game is, you know, even if United were to go to the Etihad and, and, and get a win and it'd be a statement win, even if it was a big win, you know, say they won somehow, went won, won 2 0, 3 0, something like that. The depressing thing is, is we still wouldn't be looking at, you know, we wouldn't think, oh, well, that's it now, we can probably go and win the league sort of thing. You know, that's how far we are behind. I don't think one result is going to change it. I know it's early in the season, but, you know, and technically we would be, what, about six points behind City if we got the win, you know, so it's not normally six points, it's not insurmountable. But I certainly, even with a win, wouldn't change my opinion on our chances for this season in terms of getting near the top of the league. 
and that's quite yeah, depressing, that's, really. that's what, well said, that. That's quite depressing, you know, the fact that we we could even go there and win, and it, it doesn't, you know, it's not as if we, we, then I would think, oh, we can win the title. It, it would just feel like it would be a freak result, if anything. That's true, but I think, uh, I don't know, City... I have I saw that Tottenham game. City were good in that game, but it, during that last 15-20 minutes, Spurs were given the chances and had Eric Lamela finish that tap in. Then I don't know if we, if we have to take our chances. I think we won't get many of them, but if we get whatever two, three, four chances in the game, we need to be really, really clinical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, be there and stay in the game as well. That's the what I say. Like last year, we were lucky to stay in the game. That like, we we stayed in the game more because. They allowed us to stay in the game by missing chances. But, you know, if we can stay in the game, even if we're 1-0 down going into the last 20 minutes, you know, you give yourself a chance. And that'll be the key for United, just staying in the game that first hour. Stay in the game and anything can happen from this. Uh, so, uh, so guys, uh, I'll come to Asif first. Asif, what, what would be your preferred starting eleven for United in the derby? Okay, so we have to start with... The main man, David De Gea, in net. Of course. L- left back would be Luke Shaw. Centre backs would be Smalling and Lindelof. Right back, Ashley Young. Then I'd, I want to spice it up a bit. I'd go with a, a midfield for a diamond. Oh. With Herrera as the C- CDM, yeah. M- Pogba as the left CM, Fred as the right CM, Matic in the I mean, not Matic, sorry, Matic in the number 10 role. And then as the front two, I'd like it for it to be Martial and Alexis Sanchez. That's a very interesting lineup, a bold one, I think. Yeah, I like that. I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, if we were talking about a starting 11 that we'd like to see, I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd love to see United go something uh, completely. I mean, it's got the, yeah. I feel it's got the perfect mixture of everything. Like, if I know we don't play a high pressing football, but like, if there's like two players I'd like to see, um, like giving the defenders hell on this, like preventing them from moving the ball forward, it'd be it would be Sanchez and Martial, and then Mata around the cam roll. He 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 does know how to press well and when to press, and then on the counter attack he can just like lay in those type of passes to Martial and Sanchez. Even though he might not be the quickest player on the pitch, but he would be really helpful just to see him there. Uh, playing there, and then you've got Fred and Pogba who offer the energy and the legs, and then they, they've they them two or two or two players that can just like um, like pick out a pass from anywhere on the pitch, and they're both really confident with both feet. And then we got Herrera as the dictator, just sat deep and just helping the defense out, and then as well as just at least we've got a midfield that are like able to uh, like show a composure on the ball and just like playing well whilst under pressure. And then you just got to like really hope that either City missed their chances or our defence is really good and uh, De Gea is just like, just unbelievable like he always is. <laughs> yes, fair enough. Uh, and then what about you, Joe? What is your preferred starting eleven? Yeah, well, obviously, I have De Gea in there. He's the best keeper in the world. I'd probably have a, a centre-back pairing or something like Chiellini and Benucci and, I don't know, a midfield with Modric and... <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of a team that could maybe take this, these guys on now, but you know, I think, um, yeah, I mean, I think I like 
at this team, but if I, I'm trying to guess the eleven, I, I think he'll stick with the formation that, that he normally uses. So, obviously, he'll probably stick with the same back four as well. I don't see any reason to change that, although it does still concern me slightly. Uh, midfield, I think Herrera has to start. I think Matic will start, so uh, it, it's difficult to say. And, obviously, Pogba on the left. I'd just like to see Pogba have more of an advanced role on that left, if you know what I mean. So, like, he's not so much like a left midfielder, but not a left winger either. He's somewhere in between, so he's almost playing like a number 10 role, but doing it from the left-hand side of the pitch, so floating in that left-channel area. Um, and, I mean, the only thing I would say different to a secret is I would play Rashford just because he's a local boy, and, you know, he, he has been doing okay recently, and he does have a knack for getting a goal at the Etihad, and... Uh, well, getting a goal in big games, to be fair, he, you know, he's quite good. So, uh, I think I'd go with the front three of maybe Martial, Rashford and Sanchez and maybe whoever you feel like wants to play the number nine role. I, I don't think any of those three are actual natural number nines, but someone will have to play there. But the other thing with that is if you play those three, you don't have to have a set number nine and you would hope that all three could rotate. And that could cause problems for City and the other thing with that front three as well is it's got pace and there's not a lot that's going to bother that City defence but they may be a little bit vulnerable to pace so I think if United can play counter-attacking style and do it right then they've got three really electric players at the top end of the pitch that could cause Man City problems Okay, that's a good point actually if we can exploit them with our pace then we can cause them problems. For my preferred starting lineup, uh, I would like to spice things a little bit up. Uh, if you guys have seen, Ben Mendy has been a good left back so far for City, but he's really erratic. Like he goes out of positions, he doesn't track back as a left back or something at times. So uh, I would I would like to see Lingard uh, if he's fit on that right hand side, who can drag the City defense all over the pitch. Yeah. And then, uh, well, my starting eleven would be as De Gea in goal, Shaw, Lindelof, Smalling, Young. I think Matic will definitely pay, play. So I think Matic, Herrera, and Pogba. Yeah. And then front three, I would prefer to see is Martial. Uh, I understood why you went for Rashford, but I think I I would play Sanchez here. I don't know. I just like Sanchez. <laughs> and uh, and on the right, Lingard. Yeah. Well, that's. I mean. Mendy, Mendy is an interesting player. I think Mendy, I think if Mendy was in our team, I think he gets so Well, I think he just gets helped out to play for the fantastic team. I just find him so rash. He has been to make an assist, but I do find him quite rash. And I think if he was in a worse team, I think he would be. He would look worse than what he actually is at the moment. Yes, and he was horrible against Spurs. And uh, I don't know if we can exploit that weakness. We can really, really have a good chance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, fingers crossed. Yeah. Uh, so Asif, what do you think is the would be the score prediction for this game? What is your score prediction? Uh, once again, I'm gonna go bold like with my lineup. I'm gonna go with a two-one Man United win. Wow! Yes, that's my boy. What about you, Joe? Yeah. We're doing a Man United podcast, aren't we? So it, it, we have to be positive. Six-one, like Old uh, get them back for that. I would fly to Manchester and give you a treat. <laughs> <laughs> I think, um, yeah, we're not going to stop the score. And with the thief, I think 2-1, yeah, let's be positive. And I think that's the type of score that if they 
say again, they stay in, like I said, if they stay in the game after an hour, 70 minutes, and they're maybe 1-0 down, if they get one, they could easily get a winning, you know what I mean? So I think 2-1 is a good prediction. Um, what should I say? I think City will definitely take the lead, like usual, and United will fall back, but I think we are going to score two, and this time, unlike the Stamford Bridge game, I think we are going to hold on for a 2-1 win. Yeah, well, there we go then. So, three of us are calling 2-1. We can't hold the round, so I'm, I'm confident. <laughs> uh, well said. Yes, very well said. So, I think, guys, uh, we have come to the end of this podcast, this episode. Yeah. Uh, as just to, uh, for our new listeners who are listening for us for the first time, we are Football Bloody Hell Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at the Twitter handle hell underscore football, H-E-L-L underscore F-O-O-T-B-A-L-L. I'm your, I was your host, Prashant Tiwari. You can find me on Twitter at FPL underscore Prashant. FPL underscore P-R-A-S-H-A-N-T. Joe, how can they find you on Twitter? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter using the handle FatboySlim. So that's F-A-T-B-O-Y-S-L-I-M-8-8-6. And that's my Twitter handle. And Asif, how can they find you on Twitter? You can find me on at ASIF9707. That's ASIF9707. That's it, guys. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening. Ciao for now. Yes, bye. Bye.